And hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at all things education and politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And busy uh, busy week at the legislature. And the story that just kind of took on a life of its own all week was literacy. I mean, it started a week ago. The literacy bill got tabled in committee the same day the House honored Pulitzer Prize winner Anthony Doerr. You've been following this all week. What's been going on, Clark? Kind of a bizarre situation, but this bill first ran into trouble, like you said, the the week before when it was sidetracked in committee. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, House Education Committee took this bill up again, uh, only to hold it uh, until Friday. And so within the space of maybe three hours Wednesday morning, the House of Representatives actually sidetracked two literacy bills that were related House Education Committee Chairman Reed DeMordant actually told me that this was an orchestrated move uh, so that both bills would be held up so they could be considered at the same time. So what are we yeah, talking about? Quickly, what, what's been the hang-up? I mean, what's the, what's the delay here? Well, so what these are, these are policy bills designed to enact the $10.7 million literacy mm-hmm. proposal that Governor Otter called for in his state of the state. There's been a couple of concerns uh, in committee. Uh, first of all, uh, Chairman DeMordant and a couple of other legislators have said they don't know that there's enough accountability provisions within this literacy bill. Uh, there's also uh, optional all-day kindergarten for students who score at the lowest level uh, on their Idaho reading exams. That could be a sticking point for some people. Uh, one of the members of House Education, Ron Mendive, a Republican from Coeur d'Alene, told uh, Reporter Betsy Russell from the Spokesman Review that education has been sort of this black hole for money and uh, for spending, and he just wants to to slow things down. And, and so there have been a, a number of concerns that have been addressed, but this bill, Kevin, did seem like it had wide support. Both of these did in committee from Idaho Business for Education, State Board of Education. These are rooted in the task force proposals and what right, the concept's been popular it's been out there since 2013 with the task force yeah it's essentially talking about providing supplemental reading instruction for students in grades K through 3 who score below grade level benchmarks one of the bills would provide 30 to 60 hours of, of supplemental reading instruction depending on where students scored that would also be the optional all day kindergarten piece the other bill that was held up uh, would create these uh, reading improvement plans for students so both bills were placed on hold earlier in this week, but this thing kind of keeps going. Right. So, so fast forward us. Friday morning, it came up again. What's the very latest? So on Friday morning, what ended up happening was the committee members voted to introduce a new rewritten literacy bill. The new bill incorporates the same intervention and supplemental reading instruction as the first one that had been held up twice. But what's different this time around is the new bill includes some kind of accountability measures that committee members had been asking for over the last week. And so the new bill states that extra instruction must take the form of proven, effective, research-based, substantial intervention. It also calls on the State Board of Education to develop rules that will help educators and state officials track student progress towards these grade-level benchmarks. So anyways, the original Bill 450 is still on hold. This new one is moving forward, and it's expected to get a full hearing as early next week. Well, anyways, Kevin, as you can tell, that we haven't heard the last from this literacy mm-hmm. proposal. Yeah. We'll continue to watch it uh, in the coming weeks to, to see where this goes. But I wanted uh, to ask you about a couple other topics that were interesting this week. You had a chance to really dig into the newest high school graduation rates uh, that were just released, and, and there's some improvements there. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you found. Yeah, so 
like we said in the podcast last week, really briefly, the statewide numbers are up a little bit. They're up to 78.9% for the class of 15. That's up from 73.3%. And what I was able to do as I looked into the numbers, there are a lot of improvements in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, basically, more high schools saw their grad rates go up than saw them go down, which, you know, figures if the statewide numbers go up, sure. you'd, you'd expect that. A lot of the large districts saw some improvements. So we're talking about Boise. We're talking about West Ada. Uh, we're talking about Bonneville, Twin Falls. Uh, some of the bigger districts saw some improvement. Uh, 15 schools around the state had a perfect 100%. Every kid in the uh, every kid who started out in ninth grade four years ago got a diploma in uh, 2015. So there's a lot of areas of uh, a lot of areas of improvement. And after some really discouraging grad rate numbers, uh, there are some definite silver linings to these uh, to these numbers. Yeah, we, we've seen improvements. Uh, what about the other end? I, I know there was some talk in the budget committee about some of the lower performing schools or districts. What did we find about some of the uh, the schools or the alternative schools that had lower rates before? And I looked at those numbers too. And, and the story is a little bit more mixed. And you've got to remember, when we're talking about alternative high schools and we're talking about virtual charter high schools, we're talking about at-risk students to, to a large degree. So you'd expect the numbers to be lower, and they are lower. Uh, but we did even see some improvement there. Uh, six of the nine virtual charter high schools saw some improvement in the graduation rates. A couple of them saw actually pretty significant uh, increases. The alternative schools, a little bit more of a mixed bag. Uh, Ten of them saw improvement, I believe. Uh, Eleven saw a, a drop. So not a whole lot of a big trend there. But you can bet that uh, as more attention is paid to high school graduation rates, there's going to be more of a focus on the alternative schools and the virtual schools. That's what we've seen in the debate this legislative session. I don't see that ending anytime soon because that's kind of that's kind of the sensitive point here in sure. the graduation numbers. That's where the numbers are lowest and probably going to be a lot more attention paid not only to what the numbers are, but how do you try to reverse them. So State Department of Education celebrated these numbers on Friday and then on Wednesday found themselves in the middle of a, a bit of a, a political story that came from out of nowhere. Tim Porter, the legislative liaison for Shari Ibarra, is no longer with the department. We learned that on Wednesday morning. Our uh, podcast rival, Melissa Davlin, Idaho Reports, broke the story. And we've been trying to sort out a little bit, both of us, well, what is this going to mean now as we head into the rest of the legislative session? It, it was interesting. Tim Porter is a, a former state senator. He's also from Mountain Home, uh, where Sherry Ibarra is from. He, he's, his work with uh, Superintendent Ibarra dated back to her campaign. He's been kind of her point person on legislative affairs and negotiations throughout uh, the first year and a half uh, of her term. And then all of a sudden, on Wednesday, we find out that, effective immediately, uh, Tim is no longer with the State Department of Education. It seems... The quote that he gave to Melissa Davlin was that it was sort of a mix of, of abruptness and planned, but I, it, it does seem a little odd that right in the middle of a legislative session, well, the department has several ongoing legislative initiatives uh, that, that he left at, at that point. And it was yeah, interesting. I find it, I find it really hard to believe that any uh, elected official would have his or her top legislative person leave in the middle of a legislative session, you know, willingly, because this is like a good time to have this kind of a change. I mean, right. this is the worst possible time to do this kind of a change. So you, you've got to wonder what 
what really happened here and what really triggered it and what really kind of triggered the timing. I get the sense that um, it's something that legislators and stakeholders are probably trying to figure out, well, well, what happens next? I mean, you know, as we were trying to gather up reactions Wednesday after the House floor session, I bumped into Wendy Horman, uh, you know, member of JFAC. She's probably going to be the, uh, the JFAC member who writes the education budgets here in a couple of weeks and just asked her, well, <laughs> what's going on? What was your reaction? And I walked with her. She was walking towards the State Department office. She was having a meeting to kind of talk to them about, well, who's, who's going to be in charge over there? And what's, uh, what are some of the details of some of your legislative, uh, what, what's in your legislative package and what are the details and what can we expect here in the next few, uh, few weeks? So I think she was kind of scrambling and she is probably a, a legislator who's about as uh, plugged in as anybody on these issues and she was confused. Right, and, and I do want to point out this is a personnel issue. The State Department of Education has told us that. So we may not know exactly what happened. It does sound like this was made official on Tuesday. I did get a sense, though, something interesting I noticed on Senate Education Wednesday afternoon was that Superintendent Ibarra's communications chief, Jeff Church, had to present two bills to Senate Education very much unexpectedly. I, he even had kind to ask... Kind of a battlefield uh, promotion there right. Wednesday. He even had to ask the committee secretary for, for sort of a, a crash course on how to present a bill before the committee. He got both of those bills through, but I think that spoke to perhaps the unexpected timeliness of, of this resignation. And, and, and for those who don't know, I mean, Jeff Church is basically... He, he deals with the media right. most of the time. That's his job is to kind of, you know talk to us, not to talk to legislators it's about, not a lobbyist. about bills. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very un, unorthodox role for him to be in and kind of speaks to a little bit of the flux. And, you know, it gets to a point here in the legislative session, and maybe we saw a little bit of the spillover even before the news about Tim Porter. On, on Tuesday, you were in JFAC. Uh, discussion came up about one of Sherry Barr's big ideas for this session. One of her pet pieces of legislation in the rural centers, uh, not a very uh, favorable reaction in, in JFAC. Well, it was interesting. Um, House Education Chairman Reed DeMordant was there to kind of go over his committee's budget priorities for the year. They talked about teacher pay and discretionary spending. But the Rural Schools Center came up. Uh, DeMordant said that there is some interest and support in his uh, committee for the proposal. But DeMordant flat out told budget writers that he didn't think there were enough details attached to this rural schools center proposal at this point. He said it, it, it may have merit, but at this point the, the program needs to be a little bit more fully developed. And we also talked about Representative Horman. She was on JFAC. She was there that morning, and she said last week uh, that she went to the State Department of Education asking for details of this rural schools center and that none were made available to her. She's gearing up to set the public school budget a week from Monday, and so I think she was hoping for more details as well. Yabara has talked about this in committee, about how she envisions this as a resource to help the smaller, more geographically isolated school districts compete to their larger districts, basically offering them resources and personnel they might not be able to get on their own. But DeMordant said... He had just seen a draft piece of legislation this week. He felt it wasn't detailed enough. And I think tellingly, uh, in the two or three days that have elapsed since then, we have not seen that Rural Schools Center bill up for introduction right. in the House Education Committee, and it doesn't appear that it 
uh, will come up until at least next week if it comes up at all. And, and kind of tying some of these pieces together a little bit really quickly, when you're talking about something like the Literacy Initiative or when you're talking about something like the Rural Schools Center, we're into that kind of third week of February. Uh, the Budget Committee, JFAC, is looking to write a budget here in a week and a half. So time is running out. So if there are major questions about the details of what's in a literacy package for $10.7 million, or even what's in a rural schools center proposal for $300,000, uh, I think legislators are probably getting a little bit antsy and are vocally expressing their uh, antsiness about, uh, you know, they want details, they want to figure out where the money's going here. If, if it's not the last minute, it, it certainly will be before long. Interestingly, the Rural School Center would not be funded under Governor Butch Otter's education proposal. Right. And so it's, you wrote about this proposal. earlier in the session. This is Ybarra's proposal. She was going to have to sell this and champion it before the legislature. Uh, and if she's got questions right now from the House Education Committee chair and a key budget writer, uh, she's got problems. Yeah, we'll follow it. That doesn't mean it's dead for the session, but we'll continue to follow it. I want to shift gears. Kevin, Boise State University put out a survey uh, for the first time in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. They touched on a number of education issues, and you kind of singled out some of the most yeah. interesting findings. What stood out to you, Kevin? Well, first of all, i got to do the, uh, the disclaimer, and it's a, a double disclaimer here because Clark and I are both BSU employees. On top of that, I'm a BSU student. I'm in the master's program of public administration and the School of Public Service in B at BSU did the survey. So I had the unusual uh, situation of quoting one of my professors yeah. on Monday. Uh, you know, that's, that's always kind of interesting. But what's really interesting is the content of the survey. The takeaways that I had, uh, basically, this survey of a 1,000 Idahoans across the state, scientific sample, uh, Idahoans are generally satisfied with the direction their state government is going. They're generally satisfied with the taxes they're paying. They don't feel like, uh, by and large, they don't feel like they're paying too much. They don't feel like they're paying too little. But when you get down to talking about education, and the survey revealed that Idahoans consider education the top priority, to the point where there really isn't like a second priority that comes close. Right, this is the this flagship. Is this is the this number is, one priority. Yeah. When they asked about education, they found a lot of concerns about well, how, how effective is the school system? A lot of uh, Idahoans, about a third, said, well, it's, it's fair. And a pretty good chunk uh, said that they think the school system is poor. Then you talk more about college and career readiness and what kind of lukewarm grades about that. And, and sort of lukewarm response about what, what do you do about it? Uh, pretty even split within the margin of error about whether the state needs to put more money into education or do they need to do education reform? Yeah. Whatever that is. I mean, education reform is a really broad, uh, really broad definition. But anyway, I broke down the numbers. It's uh, on my blog at IdahoEdNews.org. Uh, you can see the survey in full at BSU's website. It's interesting stuff. And, and like you said at the outset, BSU did these surveys for about 20 years. They got out of the survey business in 2011. They're back in it now in 2016. Uh, I'm a numbers guy, but I found these numbers really, really interesting. Here's one thing that I want to watch, uh, just a heads up to our listeners. This is an election year. The legislature has said education is their top priority. Uh, so with the people concerned 
about education issues. It'll be interesting to see if that comes up mm -hmm. in some of these. All legislative rest, uh, races will be contested this year. It'll be interesting to see if that comes up. But speaking of elections... Let's talk quick about next week. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. next week there are going to be several election-related bills that are coming up. You've kind of been keeping tabs on these. Uh, what are you looking yeah, for? Yeah, it's been kind of uh, fits and starts on a bunch of bills that look at school election, school election law and changes in school election law. We'll see if those come up into any kind of uh, cohesive discussion in the next few days, and we'll, we'll try to take a closer look at what's at stake. And I know February 29th is the day JFAC takes up the budget. I know you're going to be spending the next few days trying to figure out, well, what is this all? What do we look for here? What happens with literacy? What happens with rural? What happens with some of these other proposals? So Yeah, by the end of next week, we should have a piece out on Idaho Education News, kind of a budget preview as we're waiting. Uh, we'll go over that on extra credit next week as well. So look for that, but kind of get people ready and, and, and put this in perspective, why it's so important, uh, what to look for, maybe what's in trouble. Um, so that'll all be good stuff for next week. I know it'll keep us busy, but in the meantime, I want to thank... The session's heating up. Yeah, the session's heating up for sure. I want to thank everybody for listening and remind people that they can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, visit Idaho Education News every day for the latest news from the State House. Be sure and come back next Friday for a fresh new episode of the Extra Credit Podcast. And thanks again for listening. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.